Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. This week, members of the Idaho legislature convened in Boise for an organizational session, selecting their party leadership and committee assignments. Idaho Reports spoke with several newly elected lawmakers and bring you those conversations now. We'll start with two newly elected House members, Representative Chanel Dixon from District 24 and Representative Jordan Redman from District 3. So I'm in District 24, which is rural Twin Falls County, and then Gooding and Camas counties. So it's a rural area. We have 13 cities that are all fairly small and a lot of agriculture. Um, yeah, good, solid, down-to-earth people. Yeah, so I'm in District 3 up north. Um, so kind of the areas there is Hayden, Rathdrum area, um, some of the Post Falls area, rural as well. Um, we um, border Coeur d'Alene. I've actually been born and raised there in that district for basically my whole life. I think I've actually, during the orientation, I was surprised at how much support we have with the legislative services and just how they're so willing to help us and we just have a lot of resources at our fingertips that I didn't realize. Yeah. So, which was comforting, actually. Absolutely, yeah. It can be a daunting task yeah. thinking you're going in alone, but yeah, with a lot of resources. I think also um, just meeting everyone and meeting the folks. You On the campaign trail, you hear some negative things sometimes about this area, and I think meeting people, seeing that they're just real people and you know they're, they're actually looking out for the good of Idaho has been comforting. Yes, yeah. And it feels like, I mean, so many nice people. Absolutely. And everyone's just trying to keep Idaho the great state that we love so well I'm kind of waiting to see what happens I want to listen and learn but I do know I mean the legislature is going to be looking at Medicaid expansion because when it was passed there was a three-year window and then we would review it so we'll be reviewing that um, and health care policy is very interesting to me and then Education yeah. will, I mean, that'll be a topic of discussion and I'm excited to be part of that conversation, so. Probably some of the issues that District 3 is really looking at is probably school choice, which is probably a larger statewide issue. What I see it as is those, those dollars, those tax dollars probably following the child um, and depending on where they want to have that education, you know, based at it, whether it's public school, charter school, private school, home school. Um, as well as a lot of my constituents, I think are concerned about, uh, it's a very conservative district, but I think they're concerned about some of the um, ESG type legislation and, and some things like that. Well, everyone's concerned about water, which, I mean, we just need snow, yeah. <laughs> but everybody's, you know, that's a big concern. And um, with the little schools, because we do have small school districts, and so it's a little different situation than if you're in a bigger city and you know you have um, but that's a concern just keeping those schools I think the maintenance um, is a concern we have some aging schools and then the recruiting of teachers into some of these areas um, can be a little challenging just because it is a rural but they're great schools I visited a lot of them and I visited with a lot of the superintendents and they're doing great things um, but you know they have those ongoing kind of concerns. Redistricting played a part as well. Let's hear from Representative James Petsky and his seatmate Representative Jeff Ehlers from District 21. 
Yeah, so District 21 is kind of Meridian proper, Southern Meridian. It goes up to Eustick Road, it goes down to Victory Road. Uh, it's a combination of four prior districts. Yeah, it's uh, one of the smaller districts by square mileage in all of the state, and it's a new district essentially. There are no incumbents um, after the census and the redistricting. So um, with all the growth happening in Meridian and Ada County, uh, we got a new district. It's surreal in a lot of ways, uh, you know, uh, the, being a candidate is a lot of hard work, uh, and this is going to be a lot of hard work too. Uh, to be honest, I'm much more excited to do the actual public service work than the campaigning work. The campaigning work is exhausting, uh, and you know it feels like you have to talk about yourself all the time, which is a weird thing, at least for me. So I'm excited to get here and you know do the work of actually trying to help the people of Idaho. Yeah, I'm excited to do this too. I think a big difference in my mind is in the campaign you're very focused on your district and you're knocking doors talking to your voters in your district which is great you get a good sense of how, how how the voters feel and how you can represent them and it's an honor to represent the people of meridian in the state house and then when you're elected now uh, at least for me my worldview is sort of expanded to think about the whole state you get to start understanding all the issues that impact our state uh, the different viewpoints uh, a lot of eye-opening things that you maybe didn't realize were happening in the state so you start to think on a broader level of how is the whole state going to be impacted by what we do at the state house? Yeah, I don't know if you've felt this too, but there was a comment made in orientation the other day. Uh, we were sitting in these desks and someone made the comment that the 105 of you are going to make decisions for 1.8 million people. And that was when it kind of, you know, hit us like, oh, wow, this is this is big. My biggest takeaway is um, how important it is to get to know all the members of this body. Um, each of us were elected in our own right. We each have one vote. That's the way you know, our founders set it up and our constitution is set up. So you know, just having a respectful relationship with everybody in this body. Because um, we all have one vote, our voters all elected us. And so I think that's a key takeaway for me from this week is how important these relationships are. And I'll, I'll piggyback on that too. Uh, you know, when you look at it in the media, a lot of times in the headlines, it, it looks like this, you know, we're very divided, you know, like even within the parties, there's all kinds of these divisions and factions and stuff. But then you get down here and you start interacting with these people and you realize that hey, like, we're all friends and uh, we get along and we're going to work together and we're going to, we all have the same goal of, you know, helping out the state of Idaho. And even if sometimes we have different opinions on how to do that, we respect each other and we're going to try to find, we're going to work together to find the best solutions. Yeah. That's even a, when we disagree. That's what I've found too. You know, we all love this great state. We all want to do what we can to keep it great or make it even better and so it's just finding common ground to work together uh, on the, the ways that you know we think will be best. Growth. <laughs> uh, our, you know we come from the fastest growing or the fastest growing large city in the state of Meridian and it, it, it's amazing how quickly it's changed and that's why our, our district is so new uh, you know because it changed so much since the last since the last census 10 years ago and so uh, growth is a major concern for our constituents that you know there's a lot of things involved in that there's education components to that there's transportation components to that there's all kinds of other infrastructure components to that so that's yeah growth definitely and uh, uh, one, uh, besides what James mentioned, all very important, uh, property taxes are another one that mm -hmm. come with growth. And uh, I've heard a lot of ideas floated around. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'm sure that's going to be a top issue brought up um, before the bodies here during the next session. You know, I think it's actually a really solid group. 
uh, maybe I'm biased because I'm a part of it, but I think the new people, there's a very good tone among us. There's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be crazy factious like it's sometimes been in the past. I think that we're going to be very pretty cohesive. And I think we saw that last night in, you know, in the leadership uh, elections where, you know, even though there are people running against each other, everything was incredibly respectful and friendly. And even, you know, people that didn't go their way, they were incredibly respectful and friendly of, you know, the people who did win. So I, I, I think it's going to be a really good, uh, it's going to be a, a nice tone especially in comparison to some others that have happened recently. Yeah, and I would say uh, I think we have a strong group and I definitely want to get to know everybody better and I think we'll learn more about them and each other as we start um, voting uh, on actual mm -hmm. things and yeah. see how that plays out. I think that will be a good experience. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for the freshman class and the impression I get is, you know, we're all here to do a good job and to work hard. And so I think that's what we all sort of expect from each other is uh, just put forth your best effort and go at it. Some newly elected senators are not newly elected lawmakers, having served some time in the House. We'll start with Senator Ben Adams of District 12 and Senator Doug Okunowitz from District 3. Redistricting had a lot to do with it. Um, I was the only uh, sitting legislator left in my new district. Um, and so uh, essentially it was, well, you know, I'm, I know that my district wants conservative representation and uh, Historically, um, the House, it's been easier to, to get conservatives elected. Um, and so it seemed like the right opportunity, and, and uh, the voters agreed. Um, well, our senator, Senator Vick, um, decided he didn't want to run again, and he, he asked me if I'd like to and run for his seat. And um, you know, after some thought, I decided to do it. It wasn't probably as simple a decision as some folks, but uh, I think both of us enjoyed our time in the House. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, was, it wasn't an easy decision, but I thought it was probably the right thing to do at the time, and, and, sure. and here we are. Rules are slightly different, and traditions are slightly different, but it's, you know. It helps that we, uh, both of us uh, got legislation, you know, through both houses and to the governor's desk. So we both have some experience in seeing how the Senate operates differently and building those relationships before coming over here was really, um, I think, beneficial for us. Growth, property taxes, yeah. um, that would probably, which are, uh, you know, connected. So those are the two things I hear about the most. Um, the hard part for us in the legislature is that those are issues that are dealt with principally by local governments, um, but we end up getting asked to do what we can uh, to assist, and you know, it's not necessarily the best tool for the job all the time, but um, I know there'll be continued efforts and to, to try and ease people's pain when it comes to property taxes. Yeah, uh, new district, same town, uh, so a lot of the same issues, because they're in the same, they're being taxed by the same folks. And uh, property taxes is always going to be at the top of the list, which is why um, we've worked with a lot of centers. We're going to have something hot off the presses um, uh, to address property tax. And then, you know, some of the other issues, I know grocery tax is still a sticking issue. So I imagine that'll come up again at some point. And I think the discussion needs to be had so we can hash out all the justifications on whether it's a net positive or a net negative. Some newly elected senators won their seat by primary incumbent lawmakers. Let's hear from Senator Glenada Zeiderveld from District 24 and Senator Carl Bierke from District 5. 
My incumbent um, was holding bills, and so in my area, uh, it was harming a lot of our medical, the bills that he was holding. And so they basically came to me, because I had run once before, and um, I decided that one man should not be deciding for the whole state of Idaho what is best for him. It should have been held in committee, and so that was kind of the motivation of running against my opponent. And it was a, a, I worked very hard, and I did end up beating him by 37 votes. Um, I had a, a great run against the person I ran against in my primary, in the fact that we didn't have any negative campaign back and forth. Um, I give a lot of grace for that two years in COVID, you know, so it was an interesting time. I think there were some missteps that were made um, that I think some people possibly wouldn't have lost their office had things been done differently. Um, but at the same time, there, there could be more of a contrast. I, I consider the person I went up against as a, a conservative-leaning Republican, you know, and maybe I'm just a little bit more in that fashion. For me, it, it's been busy going from campaigning to this. It's been very busy, a lot of events, a lot of people reaching out to get to know me, because um, I did go against Senator Jim Patrick, my incumbent, and uh, so they're get, reaching out and getting to know me. So it's been very busy still after the campaign. There's definitely differences between campaign mode, post-primary, before the general. I wasn't, um, I didn't have a competitor in the, in the general. So it was a lot of time getting ready for this and also doing a lot of the events like Ganita talked about. Everybody wants you to come by and they're, they're sharp enough to know that you're not going to be contested in the general. So they pretty much call you the heir apparent, you know, senator-elect at that point, even though it's not. Um, so it's, I looked at that as kind of a honeymoon period for me a little bit. It was a time to kind of just relax a little bit. Coming here for the orientation, obviously you're hit with a lot of things, you know, and you know you're just scratching the surface of really in-depth talk topics, you know, but it's, uh, it's been challenging, but expected um, and exciting at the same time. I would have to yeah. agree with that, with the orientation. It was a lot of information, um, but we're ready to get to work. It, it, we're ready for it, so it wasn't discouraging or anything, but it was just a lot of information to take in. It's like a new job with any new job. Yeah. You have to have a couple of weeks to everything. When you're new, it's hard to know what to be surprised about. You know, I mean, other people have done this and been down this path before. We're kind of following the shoes of those predecessors. Um, just took it all in, not real surprised. I guess um, you can be pleasantly surprised, you can be not surprised, and you can be surprised in kind of a negative way. I think it was a very neutral, kind of somewhat expected surprise. You know, but some neat stuff, like, you know, having my family here for the for the swearing-in, that's a, that's a nice surprise. Not that I didn't expect it, but a nice surprise nonetheless. I don't know if there was anything that really surprised me. I, I it pretty much met my expectations going in. Um, I would have to say that uh, just actually getting sworn in was a big deal for me. It was like, this is real, this is it. And so that was probably kind of a highlight for me. And then ended up having my family there to take in this experience. It was a big moment. So I, I would have to say that would be a highlight for me and all of it. 
You know, Idaho sent a message because a lot of us, you know, replace a lot of incumbents. And so they, and we are actually part of history because we are the largest freshman class in the state of Idaho. So we're already making some history there. But Idaho sent a message that they're wanting some change. And so we're, we're going to do the best to represent them and serve them and work hard for them. Personally, I think you have thoughts about what it's going to be like you know, and you're never always 100% right. I have to say that I'm getting to know even, you know, the, the House folks and, of course, the people in the Senate. Um, I get a sense that people are here for one reason, and that is to better the lives of Idahoans, you know. And, I mean, it's a great feeling for me. Uh, I know it's going to be a lot of work, but, um, you know, anything that I might have thought prior to coming here has been kind of dashed in the sense that, Maybe my expectations were a little bit wrong, and, but pleasantly so. Um, everybody I've met, you know, has just been very gracious um, and all have the same desires, which again is to serve, and that's why I'm here. Um, I've been a servant my whole life pretty much, and this is my continuation of that. And if I can serve the uh, great state of Idaho, uh, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. For me, I think that. Uh it's like going on a first date where you have your best foot forward. And so we'll see in time where, where the relationships are built and how we work together. But so far, I think that the Senate, Senate is not going to be boring anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're, we're going to be working through a lot of issues and seeing how we work together. And, and so in time, we'll see what relationships are built and, and after we've been in this relationship for a little while. Be sure to visit the Idaho Reports blog for comprehensive coverage of the organizational session and sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll find all those links at idahoptv.org slash idahoreports. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marsha Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.